0: Welcome to the Sporting Heroes podcast, my name's Matt Jones and uh, for this episode I am joined in the studio by somebody who started his career at Coventry but went on to play in the Premier League as well as for Coventry for the likes of Liverpool and Wigan. He won a cap for England as well making his uh, dad uh, very rich. It's a warm welcome to the studio to Chris
1: Kirkland. How are we? Okay.
0: Very well thanks, great to have you in. Uh, Let's go right back to the start then. When did uh, you first start getting into football?
1: As a kid Young Yeah As soon as I could kick a ball um, Always wanted to be an outfielder though, I must admit and, and grew up that way Until I was about 13 And I wasn't any good on pitch um, And I was on the bench uh, For the team I was playing for Barwell and uh, the keeper got injured, and because I was the only one on the bench, um, they stuck me in goal, and it sort of uh, it stuck from there, and managed to make a few saves. Thought, oh, I like this, and uh, yeah, carried on from there. So it wasn't, I wasn't, it was still thirteen, fourteen, or so. I was quite late before I knew I wanted to be a goalkeeper. So you're a tall lad now. Were, mm. were you tall at that age as well? Not really. No, it wasn't until I was, I was, I was a bit chubbier back then. I must admit, yeah, when I was, when I was younger, uh, it wasn't until I went to Coventry, probably around sixteen, seventeen, I shot up. I mean, uh, my parents are big. I was you know I wasn't small but certainly had a big growth spurt when I was in the youth team at Coventry. So you you don't start playing
0: in goal until you're about 13 14. Did, did you find that you were playing catch up at all or did it just come naturally to you?
1: Apparently so. Yeah, my dad. Me, obviously, the, the you know the big talk was about the bet. I didn't realize he put it on when I was fourteen. Obviously, he seen some of it. Um, I got a lot of work as well when I went to Blaby and Weston, uh which were the team then in Leicestershire. You know, uh, Dion Dublin, Peter Shilton, Lineker, they all played for Blaby and Wexford. So I managed to get there. Mick Pierce and Paul Dannon, who used to be an old Premier League referee, they used to take me for extra sessions, and you know went out of their way, really out of the way, to. To, to look after me, so obviously they've seen it as well and, and it took on from there, I had the choice between Leicester and Coventry uh, but because I was training at Coventry regular on a Wednesday with Steve Agrizovic, who was the number one goalkeeper there um, at the Sky Blue Lodge, I chose to go to Coventry Always
0: wanted to be a footballer then, there were no other yeah. sports that took no, you, your fancy?
1: No. no, always wanted to be a footballer or a fireman um, I've said that many times, but I uh, loved golf uh, but I was never never <laughs> never good enough for that Uh, But yeah, I always wanted to be a footballer. I didn't really have any interest at school. I I skived off a lot at school. um, When the test match used to be on, the old test cricket, I used to love cricket as well, so they used to be on from a Thursday to Monday back in the day then, so I used to take Thursday, Friday and Monday off school and (laughs) and watch the cricket test matches because my mum and dad used to leave before I left for school and I used to obviously be back from school, so was until they found all the the brown letters under my mattress from school that <laughs> my attendance record wasn't quite what it should be. <laughs> uh, so at what age did you
0: you decide that Coventry were going to be the club you wanted
1: to sign for then? When I, when I 50 so 16 when you signed YTS it was hmm. called cool, it was called cool back then. Um and because I had a great relationship with with Oggy Stevie Gusevich, um and Leicester even though I was born in Leicester and all my family were Leicester fans I just felt comfortable at Coventry and obviously Steve went out of his way to come down and train on his day off at nights and so yeah, it was always it was always going to be Coventry I signed for, and you made your debut uh, at a fairly young age for a keeper as well. Yeah, eighteen against Tranmere. Mm. Uh, John Acterberg was in goal for for Tranmere. So uh, yeah, we talk about that now. It, um... Do you talk about the result? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, well actually, when I, I think we won three one at home, I didn't play in the away. I was the away leg got like five nil us five one the away five one. Yeah, so I come on. Uh, Magnus got injured. I think he got injured just before half time. So I come on at half time, and I always remember this. And and and. Um, my career could have gone a different way. My first action I always remember was a ball got booted right up in the air in the, in the in the our penalty box, and it was I've come about sixteen, seventeen yards and took it clean above everyone else. And people always said to me that if if you know if you'd have dropped that and they'd have scored, it could have been a whole different story. But luckily enough, it, it stuck. And yeah, my career went on from there. It must be very different being a goalkeeper to anywhere else on the pitch
0: when you're making your debut as a young lad, because if you're a centre-back, you're going to have someone talking you through the game. If you're a centre-midfielder, exactly the same. But as a goalkeeper, it can be a little bit lonely on your own.
1: Yeah, but I I had some great pros at Coventry. You know, uh, Paul Williams, Richard Shaw, Gary Breen, Gary McAllister was obviously there, Dean Dublin. We had some experienced players. Brian Burrows as well. Uh, Roland Nielsen was there. Um, So we had some really experienced players, but Back then, people say about it, you don't feel it when you're a kid. Um, it's not until you get older and you realise the you know the pressure of some of the games you're playing in. When you get older, you, you start to think, "Oh God, we need to get a result here." Or, but when you're younger, you just you don't think about. It. You just want to train, you want to play, and nothing nothing fazed me at all back then. And Gordon Strachan would have been your manager. What was he like to play under? He was great. He was um, for a small cap for a small man. Um, he could when he walked into a room, he was like he was 15 foot tall. He, uh, he just had that presence, that aura about him. Respect, um, but if he stepped out of line, he would he would crucify you. Um, but he, he, you know, as long as you trained hard and give him what he wanted, he, you know, he always had your back. And he was he was a, he was brilliant with me. He gave him my debut. I've got nothing but good things to say again uh, about him. He um, I see him these days still now, and he, to be honest, he still looks the same as he did back then. Even <laughs> all these years, he. Uh, but he, he really looked after us. And when he was at Celtic, um, he invited me up there. I was actually going to sign for him. In two thousand and five when I was still at Liverpool, so uh, he wanted me to go up there, but I chose to stay in the Premier League with West Brom. I'm and didn't get down too well with him. I must admit <laughs> i didn't uh, I didn't get a call back uh, for a while when i when I rang him to say no. I couldn't go up there, but um, he was—he was a great man. So let's get on uh, to you joining Liverpool in 2001. Dream move for you. It was. I've always been a fan. I've always said that. I, my first game was '88 when I was seven. I used to get the bus up from um, from Hinckley near Leicestershire, uh, outside a cafe early in the morning. I think it was about seven in the morning, eight in the morning, up to Anfield. It was just the best day ever. I didn't get back till ten, eleven o'clock at night, but it was—it was great. And that's when we could afford it. You know, used to stand in the cop. Um, and I actually, when the when the opportunity come around to sign, I actually went and stood, um, even though it was seats. Then I went and stood in, where I used to stand as a boy, and um, yeah, it was an absolute dream. I knew about the move. I've said this on record many times, which I probably shouldn't do, but I knew about the move six months before it happened because I was getting calls off Gary McAllister, who was at Liverpool, <laughs> obviously saying, "Look, Gerard likes you. Keep doing what you're doing. And he's going to sign you in the next window." And you think, "Oh well, you know, it's never going to happen. Something will happen, but it did." And um, I was nervous, I must admit, because I, I I loved my time at Coventry. I was playing, I had a good manager, a great goalie coach, but it was the only team I'd have left for. And um, yeah, so glad that you know I, I came up to Liverpool and could sample An- Anfield.
0: What's it like when you're 19, 20 years old, then, and you get that call from your your dream club
1: saying we want to sign you? It, it was amazing. As I said, I I, I was getting calls off Gary. You know, every few weeks, just saying, look, you know. And um, the two games I had against Liverpool managed to play well, Um, made a few saves, which helped, obviously. Uh, I knew they were tracking me. There was a few clubs as well that that wanted us to go as well. There was quite a bit of interest, Uh, but there was only one team I would I would have ever left Coventry for, and and that would have been Liverpool. And when it came up, it was it was all surreal. I remember I was in a. Firing safety meeting Because I was still involved With the youth team At Coventry Um, Still had some good friends there So I was at Highfield Road It was day before deadline day I got told to expect A call any minute Um, But it was about Five, half, five at night And then Gordon Strachan popped his head Round the corner And gave me the nod And I knew then The bid had come in And he said Look we've had a bid Off Liverpool No pressure on you We want you to stay you know, we know it's your club though and we'll do whatever you want to do. And I, to be honest, I froze a little bit because it's still surreal. But then he called Steve Agrisovitch and he was at Ifield Road for something and Noggy just said, listen, get yourself up there. He says, you know, we don't want you to leave, but once you go up there, we won't see you again. And so we drove up that night, uh, had, had my medical, met Mark Browse and Dave Galley about 11 o'clock at night. Had my medical, I was in a scanning machine till about two in the morning. <laughs> and then And then the next morning we went down to... Um, to Melwood, the old Melwood, the old building over the far side and, uh, yeah, ended up signing. So you made 45 appearances in all competitions mm. for the Reds in the end and I bet you remember pretty much every single one of them. I remember my debut. I remember getting beat from 35 yards by <laughs> Phil Jevons for Grimsby but, um Listen, I'd have done it all again. It, obviously, injuries played a big part of my time here, but I'd, I'd go through all that again just to play one game for Liverpool. And I mean that. It was an honour. Uh, it's a privilege. It's still great to be involved with the club now. It's just a wonderful club. And times now are, are very good at the minute. Injuries, but also the fact that for, for,
0: a, for a little period, you were behind Jersey Dudek oh. and and I think as well, maybe Pepe Reina
1: for a season. No, no, he come to, i come um, to, to Rafa 2005. He said, look i want a, a foreign goalkeeper you can go uh, and he obviously bought pepe and which weren't a bad decision in mm. the end was it he was amazing but jersey when i first come yeah he was just incredible he was a, he was a lovely man um seeing him the other week when we played at rangers in the, in the charity game uh, for the first time in a few years and just the same as he was about them so humble he used to pay the room bill for me he used to look after me um but he was he was incredible um and and i thought i'm never going to get a game here because in training and games he just he was exceptional and then obviously, you know, the, the mistake against Man U and things changed a little bit after that. But to be involved with a club you've always supported and stood on the, in the cop and watched as a seven-year-old was just, as I said, I'd go through it all again.
0: We could go through so many moments of your career. You go on and have a very successful time at Wigan. Mm. You play for um, the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Preston as well at yeah. the back end of your career. You mentioned the England cap um, mm. at the start of this interview. So tell us about the bet.
1: Yeah, well I didn't know until until um it was the week before when it looked like I was going to be make or the few days before when I was going to be making my debut in the in the friendly game it come out didn't know had any idea my dad put it on when I was 14 uh, but it was a few of them down at the. Um, at, I used to go down on a Sunday um, down to our local working men's club, and, and there used to be a darts match on, uh, like a, against other counties and stuff. So I used to do the scoreboard, and uh, they always used to chuck fifty p in a beer glass for us after. So I made about five six quid on on them Sunday nights, which was great. But they all put ten twenty pounds in. My, I think my mum and dad had twenty pounds because back then they didn't. You know they didn't have a lot of money at all. But it was nice when it finally came off. Um, well, Debbie had been talked about for a while, but obviously through injuries or you know there was a lot of good goalkeepers around then as well. But when it finally happened, it was great and it was, uh, it, was it was nice for everyone else because it was just before Christmas, so it paid for a lot of Christmas presents for a lot of people.
0: What odds did he get?
1: They got a hundred to one, hundred pound. So they, they, they're only allowed to put only, but they only lads put a hundred pound on it, and a hundred to one. Which I've always said this: if i had gone into the shop at the time with my dad, I think they'd have given us about a million to one if they'd <laughs> uh, if they'd have seen seen the state of me. But um, yeah, so but yeah he obviously seen something and had confidence and, and uh, glad it played off for him
0: and I just want to mention one more incident from your career as well before we get on your sporting hero yeah. the Leeds United one when you're playing for Sheffield Wednesday mm. um, very well publicised at the time but uh, I mean explain what happened basically a supporter ran on the pitch and, and attacked you
1: yeah well the game was on yeah the game was on a Friday night which for, for anyone that knows Sheffield Wednesday Leeds is a it's a big, big game. Um, and, and obviously, Friday night's a wrong time to put it on. I think the authorities have come out and said that since. So there was a lot of, obviously, alcohol, a lot of drunk fans. Leeds had, I think, they had 6,000 there behind the goal. So it was very hostile atmosphere to start with. We were 1-0 up. Uh, and then, yeah, they uh, they equalised. I think Michael Tong equalised in a 70-odd, 70-odd minute. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was gutted. The goal went in. It was deflected. It, I was gutted. I was deflated. And, you know, goalkeepers will tell you when the goal's green, you're like, oh. Devastated, and, and then I literally didn't see the chap until he was right next to us. He give us a firm shove, and just didn't know what had happened to be honest. And then there was chairs getting thrown, and it was more shock than anything. And um, obviously, my daughter was watching it on TV. She was devastated. My wife was at the game uh, with Matt McCann, who's the media officer at, at Liverpool now. So it was just it was tough after that. Um, you know, then we played again on the Wednesday at Blackburn, and. Obviously, the club said, "Listen, you don't have to play, but I wanted to play, so we played and managed to get a clean sheet. But yeah, it wasn't nice, but listen, we've seen these things happen on the pitch before and in different sports, and unfortunately, you get some idiots sometimes that think they can do what they want. Mm. So let's get on to uh,
0: the sporting hero aspect of this interview, and in fact, uh, you've already mentioned the guy's name mm. several times. Tell
1: us who your sporting hero is and why. Steve Grisvich. Um he was at Liverpool he was obviously he, he trained me when I was at Coventry when I was 15 he used to he was the number one at, at, at Coventry City He used to train me on a Wednesday night at the Sky blue Lodge and just took we just clicked straight away he was great with us just the way he was with us um and going through seeing the way he trained seeing the way he dedicated himself even when he was I, I was on the bench for his last game I think I'm sure it was Sheffield Wednesday it was four one that was his last game at Highfield Road. And just to see the way he prepared himself, the way he trained, he was the hardest trainer I've ever seen. He was out every morning at 9.30. He used to grab six or seven youth team lads to put crosses in, to work on his crossing. He was lasting after training. He was in the gym. Liked a fag, liked a beer, you know, <laughs> like, liked, but he was the hardest worker. And for me to see that, I always, and I thought, that's how I want to be. And, and that's what I took it on myself. I prided myself on nobody training harder than myself, wanting to be better every training session. So, and I still you know, during, during my whole career. When I left Coventry, I, I spoke to him. As I said, he'd come into the office and, and said, "Get get in the car and get yourself up to Liverpool." Um, and I still I've spoke to him throughout throughout my career, all the time, and still very good friends these days. So yeah, he was the one that gave me the right professionalism to start with to to say, right, this is the way you've got to do. Not he didn't turn around and say, "Listen, you got to copy me." Just seeing the way he was, though, you know, straight the way I knew I wanted to be like him. I'm just looking at his. Um...
0: Kind of statistics now. the first thing that springs out is that he actually played four first-class cricket matches,
1: which he, I had no idea about for Shropshire and minor counties. He was a brilliant cricketer. So this, yeah, this is. So he used to play for Coventry on a Saturday, and then he used to play for Coventry North Warwickshire cricket on a Sunday. shouldn't 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 be doing it like obviously, <laughs> but I mean, you wouldn't get away with that these days. But he was a brilliant cricketer. Why was he not a wicketkeeper? <laughs> he was a bowler, so he was a fast bowler and a batter. So I um, <laughs> actually went down and watched him a couple of times. Oh. Um, but hes uh, he was a very very good cricketer Outrageous I think the club, club knew the club knew because obviously he was Coventry's number one and he was playing for Coven Warwickshire. Yeah. so the club knew but you know, he was old enough and wise enough to know what he wanted to do and the club sort of uh, let him do it.
0: Out- outrageous that a wicketkeeper, a, a goalkeeper, yeah. sorry, wasn't a wicketkeeper. Well, I was a
1: bowler as well. I was a bowler and batter. Really? Yeah, <laughs> so people think, that, the, the thing is, if you be a wicketkeeper for the cricket, the thing if you drop anything, you're going to get nailed. <laughs> so, uh, no, but I like, I like bowling and batting as well. Uh, but his
0: football statistics are incredible. As you oh. say, four appearances for Liverpool between 77 and 82. But for Coventry, uh, he was there for 16 years and made over 500 league appearances. Legend.
1: He's scored a goal as well. Yeah. Yeah, legend he, uh, yeah out, was, out of his hands was it I think he kicked it the full length was he I'm sure but he was just he was a legend at Coventry I mean he retired at the start of this season I think he does the radio now um, for them but yeah still speak to him every every few weeks now and like I said for he, he, he will go down as one of the greatest of all time at Coventry and rightly so You've talked
0: about how he coached you when you were playing Uh, now you're doing a bit of goalkeeping coaching yourself what do you kind of take out of what Steve Grisovic taught you uh, and put into your players
1: exactly the same Uh, encourage work hard have a laugh but in the right way Uh, you can't take things too seriously, particularly when you're teaching kids because you've got enough pressures whether it be at school or at home and you know exams these days and stuff like that so just let them enjoy themselves demand hard work um, yeah, but I've, t- I've took a lot on, as I said, during my whole career with, with obviously I had Jim Blythe as well, who was my goalie coach at Coventry and, and took a lot on from them too from an early age and carried that on throughout my career, thankfully. And uh, you
0: mentioned you were on the bench for his debut. You're right; it was against. She- uh, sorry, his uh, his final, final appearance. he uh, was against Sheffield Wednesday. A four-one win. Yeah. Um, what do you remember of that
1: occasion? He went mad after the game because he let a goal in. That's the, you know it himself, not at the players. He was just gutted that he couldn't keep a clean sheet in his final game. It was it was really emotional as well. He he uh, he wasn't really an emotional manoggy, and um, but that got him after that game. He got a, he got a guard of Honour. And the fans, where you walk off at the whole Highfield Road, you walked off in the bottom corner, so you had to walk by all the fans to get to the bottom corner, and the whole stand stayed, gave him the reception he deserved. And I remember he was he was crying in the dressing room, and he was just saying, "I'm gutted, I couldn't have kept a clean sheet." But that's that was just the professionalism of of the man, and that's what I. What endeared me to him from from the word go.
0: A brilliant man. Uh, A brilliant career as well. Also played for Chesterfield and Shrewsbury before moving to uh, Coventry in 1984. And he won the FA Cup with them in 1987 as well. Uh, A fantastic uh, sporting hero to have. Uh, Chris Kirkland, thank you very much for joining us and for picking Steve Vigrizovic. Thank you. Former Liverpool, Wigan, Coventry and England goalkeeper Chris Kirkland joining me uh, for the Sporting Heroes podcast this week. My name's Matt Jones and if you hit the subscribe button you'll get a brand new one in your box every time we put it online. And you can also go back and listen to some of the great ones we've done in the past with the likes of Chris McCausland, who's a fantastic comedian, Jamie Carragher, Mike Newell and many, many more.